many of you uh, may be a little fed up with politics in general. Uh, certainly with this particular election cycle in, in particular, it's been a long, uh, ugly campaign season and we're not finished yet. For those of you who were raised in polite society, uh, you were probably told at some point in order to keep the in order to make sure well, uh, in order to make sure things go well, it's important that you uh, not talk about God or politics. So this morning, I want to begin a teaching series in which we talk about both. It's a series I'm actually calling uh, "Let's Talk About God and Politics." And so, uh, just to get us focused and moving this morning, uh, today what I want to share is basically sort of an introduction. But to get us focused and moving, would you stand with me, please, in honor of the Word of God? And we're going to read together 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Uh, if you're here with me in the Center for New Life, I'll read the plain text. If you'll join me in reading the highlighted portions, if you're worshiping with us in outdoor church or, or over our YouTube channel, just read the text as it pops up on the screen. 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning verse 1. This is what the Bible says. I urge then, first of all, that, uh, that, that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. For kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Praise the Lord, this is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. There are two main reasons I need to share with you that I really feel compelled to begin to talk to you on this subject over the course of the next few weeks. And I really do have to tell you, I feel compelled by the Lord to do that. The first reason is simply because our nation has lost its mind uh, over politics. Uh, uh, it's all, virtually all people are talking about anymore, so I know it is impacting you. I know it has to be affecting you. The country has gone crazy over politics. Just this week, we received a uh, an envelope in the mail is addressed to all the staff of Resurrection Church. On the outside, there are all these um, uh, aggressive uh, uh, comments on how, how it's impossible to love Jesus and support a particular candidate uh, for office. There's a letter purporting to be from Jesus, pretty nastily saying, you're not following me if you follow this particular candidate. Um, thankfully, it's sealed with tape. I'm afraid to open it. Uh, not quite sure what's in there. Um, but it is another, yet another example of how the world has lost its mind in the area of politics. And so we need to talk about it. And the second reason we need to talk about it is because as a church, our fundamental mission is to make disciples of Jesus. Disciples who know how to live in this world and who go on to make other disciples of Jesus who know how to live in this world. And since the goal of every true disciple of Jesus is to become more like Jesus, then it only stands to reason if we really are being discipled well, if we really are growing as disciples of Jesus, if we really are becoming more like Jesus, then over time we'll be having more and more and more things in common in terms of how we think, in terms of how we live, and what, in terms of what really matters to us. And yet, d division is raging across our country and raging in the evangelical church. But wherever confusion and disunity are found in the church, that's revelation of a discipleship problem. 
The truth is far too many Christians today are being uh, uh, discipled by talk radio, cable news, and their social media feeds. And and, and the isolation that's come about as a result of the COVID-19 crisis has only served to make that problem worse. The average Christian in America today spends about an hour every week, about an hour every week under the teaching and training of the local church, and anywhere from 2 to 13 hours every day under the influence of podcasts, Twitter feeds, Facebook postings, blogs, cable news channels, and talk radio. It is a serious problem in the church, with way too many Christians today being far more influenced by CNN or Fox News than by the Bible and the local church. We have theologies all over the map. We have politics all over the map within the evangelical believing church. And to the degree that's happening in Resurrection Church, I have to take responsibility for that. The pastors and elders have been talking about the problem, and we're looking very seriously at how we can dramatically increase the discipleship options we make available to you. And one of the areas we believe needs attention right now is discipleship in the area of Christians and politics. How should Christians think about government and elections and public policy? How should Christians be involved, if at all, in those things? What does the Bible have to say about the role and nature of government? Is patriotism a form of idolatry? Is it okay to bring your religious views into the public realm of government? A recent study, actually a 2019 study by LifeWay Research in 2019 indicated that 54% of evangelical Christians want their local church to help them to better prepare them to engage in political discussions in the world. I'm not sure where you are on that particular matter, but I firmly believe Christians need to be more discipled in general and more discipled in particular in our ability to navigate contemporary political questions from a biblical worldview. So in addition to this teaching series, which you know I'm moderately excited about, I am super excited about the fact that we're going to begin, I'm going to begin hosting a series of discussion opportunities where we can come together and ask questions and talk through some of the most pressing, most troubling uh, political issues and current events facing America today and learn to do that from a biblical worldview. We'll begin tonight, and I apologize for the lack of warning. It's just been, this has been, i got to be honest with you, I've been praying about this for so long and thinking about this for so long and talking with the elders about this for so long, and I have struggled in, in, in getting my hands around how to do this. But a couple weeks ago, I felt like the Lord says, you've got to do something, it's time to do something. And part of what I felt like he said was, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing imperfectly. And so we're going to start tonight at 6 o'clock right here in the Center for New Life. I'd love for you to make it if you possibly can. If you can't make it, we'll try and make something available over Zoom or something. You know, we'll try and work something out in that regard. Uh, tonight will just be an introduction. I want to hear from you. What do you want to hear about? What do you want to talk about? What issues do you need help with? Understanding and navigating and talking about and understanding. And then I'll, I'll lay a little bit of a framework for you tonight as well. Six o'clock here in the Center for New Life. So for now, relative uh, to the rest of my introduction, uh, for this particular series this morning, I'm going to turn our attention for the last little bit here to two very basic questions. First, as a Christian, why should you be involved at all? Why should you care at all about government and politics? 
And then second, as a Christian, if you do care, how much involvement is the right amount of involvement? Now, relative to the first question, the short answer is you should care about government and politics because God cares about government and politics. Many times throughout human history, God himself has personally, directly intervened in the realm of politics, raising up certain leaders, humbling and bringing down others, raising up entire nations while humbling and bringing down others. He set Joseph specifically and intentionally at the head of Pharaoh's court in Pharaoh's government and used him to help an awful lot of people. He placed Daniel in the, in the government of the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar. He placed Esther in the government of the Persian king Xerxes. God cares about politics and government because government affects the lives of people. Now you need to know if you are a follower of Jesus or as a follower of Jesus, you are a citizen first and foremost of the kingdom of God. You've been born again, you've been changed by the Holy Spirit so that you are no longer of this world. You live here as a stranger or an alien, someone who's essentially passing through, looking and waiting and longing for the heavenly kingdom still to come. But while you are not of this world, you are most certainly still in it, and that by the will and intention of God. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying to the Father, and he's praying specifically about his disciples. He's actually praying specifically for his disciples. And part of what he says in John 17 is this, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Now, there are two key things I want to make sure you get out of that passage of Scripture, out of that little prayer of Jesus this morning. And the first is this. As a child of God, you are no longer of this world. This world is not your permanent home. The things this world values cannot be the things you value. The way this world does things cannot be the way you do things. You are no longer, as a citizen of the kingdom of God, a born-again child of God, you are no longer of this world. But the second thing I want you to notice from this prayer is that Jesus prays very explicitly. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. Even though you have so little in common with it, Jesus says to the Father, please, please, please leave them there. You are in the world by the will and intention of God. You are in the world to do the work of God in the world to be salt and light in the world, to testify about Jesus in the world, and to work in the power of God to make the world better. That means as a citizen of the kingdom of God, you fundamentally have dual citizenship. Say dual citizenship. Your first allegiance is obviously to God and the kingdom of God, but you still owe allegiance here as well. You have citizenship responsibilities in the kingdom of God, but you also have citizenship 
responsibilities here as well. There was a time when a group of political and religious leaders tried to trip Jesus up on exactly this issue. And they came to him and they they said, Hey, Jesus, as the people of God in the world, is it right that we pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus' reply was very simply, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. In other words, Jesus was saying, You have dual citizenship with dual citizenship responsibilities. You have duties to God, and you have duties to the nation in which you live. The Apostle Paul was constantly reminding the people in the churches that he had founded, the people in the churches that he worked with, that as the people of God in the world, they needed to live their daily lives as model citizens in the world paying their taxes, obeying their authorities, and to the extent, whatever extent possible, within the contents and the confines of the Word of God, to live as good citizens of Rome. Today in America, that would have to include for you paying your taxes, praying for your political leaders, and it would have to include making a point to vote for the people most likely to govern the land the way God wants the land governed. I'm going to say it again. Not to vote for who you think is best for you or going to work out best for you. You have an obligation before God as a citizen of the kingdom of God and as a citizen of the United States of America to make a point to vote for the people most likely to govern the land the way God would want the land governed. There can be absolutely no doubt that politics and the actions of governments matter. This illustration I'm going to show you I got from Frank Turek. I love it. This is a nighttime satellite photo of the Korean Peninsula. And for your benefit, I've highlighted in red two nations in this photo. Nighttime photograph. The nation on the bottom with all that light is South Korea. And the really dark place there at the top, that's North Korea. One nation is thriving, prosperous, and free with one of the largest, fastest-growing Christian populations on earth. The other nation is a backward, starving police state with very little Christian presence because the church and the gospel have been banned there. And the only reason for the difference between these two countries is politics. In the South, you have a democratic republic and free market capitalism. And in the North, you have communism with a despotic dictator. And you can see the results visually depicted for yourself. I want you to look again carefully at those words we read together to begin this message from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, listen, I urge you then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority. Why? Why? Why does Paul want you to pray for people in positions of political authority? Why does Paul want you to pray about politics? Why does God want you, uh, Paul want you to pray for people in politics that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. 
So the Apostle Paul understood that those in governmental authority have a tremendous impact on your day-to-day lives. Who gets in power can make a real difference in how peaceful and quiet your life will be. Not to mention how prosperous and free your life will be. In Paul's day and place, there was no opportunity whatsoever for input into who would lead the nation other than the input you had through prayer. In the the Roman Empire, there was no voting for who was going to lead. Today in America, prayer is still the place to begin. But unlike the subjects of the Roman Empire, you get to have a say. And you get to cast a vote. And make no mistake about it, the elections in which you vote can have an enormous impact on your ability to lead a quiet, peaceful, free life. The truth of the matter is, government and politics affect almost everything in life. They affect you, they affect your family, they affect your job, they affect your church, they affect your health, they affect your money. They affect your freedom, they affect your property, they affect your home, they affect your safety, they affect crime, they affect the poor, and they determine war and peace. Simply put, government, listen, government is the means by which order is established and things get done. Government is the means by which order is established established and things get done. Therefore, it matters very much who's in charge of it. And if you care about the spread of the gospel, then you have to care about politics and government. Think again about the two Koreas and listen some more to the Apostle Paul. He says, I urge you. To pray for those in positions of authority and power, politicians and people, statesmen in positions of authority and power. Pray that you might live a quiet and peaceful life. And then he goes on. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. See, clearly in the mind of the Apostle Paul, there is at least a potential connection between good, godly government and the spread of the gospel. Now to be sure, God is more than able to spread the gospel and save people in the most oppressive of circumstances. But there can also be no doubt whatsoever that civil government can and very often has been one of the greatest enemies of the church and its missionary endeavor. Romans chapter 13 makes it clear that God has ordained civil governments and you and I are in large measure subject to them, whether or not they're good. In the end, people are blessed by good government and people are harmed by bad government. Which means refusing to care And refusing to be involved is not even remotely an option if you mean to love God and the purposes of God and if you want to love your neighbor. Finally, when it comes to the second question of how much involvement 
in politics is the right amount of involvement for Christians. There are two extremes you need to avoid. The first is the extreme of caring about politics too little, of watching all the ugliness and all the nastiness and saying, I will have nothing to do with that whatsoever. I hope I've already addressed why that's simply not an option for you. Disciples of Jesus are called to engage in this world, not to withdraw from it. God's plan is to sow you like kingdom seeds into the world where you work to bring about a kingdom harvest for the glory of God and for the good of others. You can't simply not be involved. The second extreme is to care about politics too much, which is a mistake I fear an enormous number of people are making in America today, including an enormous number of Christians. I want you to listen very carefully to these two important true statements. Number one, politics can make a huge difference in the everyday lives of everyday people. And number two, as followers of Jesus, our hope is never in politics. Those statements are not contradictory. They are necessary to find the truth of how God wants you to function as a disciple of Jesus in this world. Politics is never the ultimate answer, never has been, never will be. Pastor Billy, do you believe there are important material differences to how one person may govern versus another? You better believe I do. Do you believe that there are potentially massive long-term consequences for what the government does in relation to taxation or immigration or in relation to issues of equal treatment under the law for poor people and minorities? You better believe I do. Do I believe it matters what the government does in terms of policing policies? You better believe I do. Do I believe it matters the government's position on religious freedom and the right to think differently from the crowd? Or how the government views the institution of the family and whether it puts policies in place that strengthen or weaken that institution? Or how the government treats religious objections to certain laws about sexuality or marriage or Uh, the nature of human life, or how the government defines human life and what it does to protect human life, including the lives of the unborn, the lives of the aged, the lives of the physically or intellectually challenged. Do I believe it matters? You better believe I do. That's why I care and it's why I vote. But at the end of the day, I understand that my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I understand that the church was born, grew, and ultimately flourished in the midst of one of the worst, most corrupt, most oppressive governments in the history of mankind. And that since that day, it has gone on to do that in many other similar places around the world. Many Americans today have entered into politics with a frightening religious fervor. It is as if their entire hope for tomorrow is totally rooted in their hope that their candidate wins. Have Christians behaving as if their eschatology is tied to their politics. Thoroughly convinced that if the guy they oppose wins the election, the end times have come to America. Let me say, I believe with all my heart that there are ideas and philosophies and policy proposals being floated around these days that if enacted have the very 
real potential to destroy America as you have known it. I thoroughly believe that's a possibility. And if it happens, I believe it will be one of the great tragedies of human history. I love this nation and many of the ideals on which it was founded. But I love God and the kingdom of God more. And my hope and my expectation is firmly grounded in the kingdom of God, not in the United States of America. And frankly, I have to tell you, I am convinced you can do more for America by sharing your faith and living your faith aggressively and consistently day by day, demonstrating the kingdom of God, loving God and loving people every day with everything that's in you. You can do more for America by living like faithful disciples who make disciples than you could ever do in politics. But it is not an either-or proposition. You can and must be involved in both if you will be a faithful follower of Jesus. I just want to encourage you never to forget that the unique power you have in God to make a difference in the world is the power you have in the gospel and the word of God and the Holy Spirit. It's not the power you have in politics. Let's pray. Father, as always, as always, I thank you for the power and the clarity of your word. Lord, by which we are instructed, by which we are enlightened, by which the fog and the confusion of this world gets blown away with laser clarity. I thank you for the light of your word. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of serving you as citizens of the kingdom of God. And I thank you for the privilege of serving you here as citizens of the United States of America who are also citizens of the kingdom of God. Father, may we walk as real disciples of Jesus, contemplating the issues of our day from a biblical worldview, with a biblical perspective, bringing the kingdom of God to bear on the world around us for your glory and for the benefit of the world around us. Forgive us for complacency and forgive us for relying too much on the arm of the flesh. Lord, may we know you and represent you well. And as disciples of Jesus, bless this nation and this world. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.